Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting you from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Lizzie, and Happy New Year, Club. Thank you so much for everybody who was with us in 2023, or even just checked us out, and you're checking us out right now in 2024. And of course, just like everybody else posting on their Instas and Twitter and what have you about their kind of year in review, we're going to do a little bit of that today with a few of our standout favorites from this year but listen i know sometimes we get a little bit weird about it but it doesn't mean we dislike or hate anybody that we don't include or put together it's just ones that stood out to us or maybe even made our jaw drops that we even got this year uh this past year because we did a lot of things uh in 2023 that we're still very shocked by But before we get into that, we're going to just do a little bit of housekeeping at the top. You're going to see a little bit of a structural change from Emo Social Club with our podcast episodes. It's nothing crazy. We will start to slowly implement it. So definitely tell us what you think about it over on our socials at Emo Social Club on Instagram and at X, Emo Social Club X, over on Twitter and TikTok as well. Other than that, let's jump right on into it. Here are some of our best ofs 2023. We're going all the way back to last year in January where we talked with our homies and pulses. And in this one, it was a really fun episode. We got a little bit butt rocky, which really showed it was the year of butt rock, everybody. But here in this snippet, we're talking about their single that was released around that time, Run the Ghouls, and about Christian Rock. Check it out here in this snippet. While the dads in the chat are very pissed that there's no other Guns N' Roses, but they are a little stoked because some of them do so like Paramore because they're hip and they're like the modern emo dads. How can you influence the up and coming emo, soon to be emo dads with <laughs> Run the Ghouls? <laughs> <laughs> We made it. We made it. Five out of ten. Five out of ten. It landed. It landed. Challenge. Five out of ten. I'm gonna try to answer it as directly as possible. How can we? Um, how can we? What, like, my dad likes it. Yeah, so. yeah. There we go. There we there go. go. Yeah, it's, it's my dad dad's favorite it. song of ours. So Cute. we got one. We got one. My dad doesn't like any of our music. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Show him, show him this transition. Does he like Guns N' Roses? He doesn't like them either. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they, I mean, it's like they, they appreciate this shit. At least at this point, I think he respects it. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. but your mom likes some of it. Yeah, my mom actually is like she. I mean, of she course, she became a fan. Yeah, she doesn't listen to any like scream music or like any like emo music, or whatever. But you know, she's happy with us. Doing she likes it she'll listen to it all the time i'd like to just point out that if it wasn't obvious we're related oh, yeah. <laughs> we have the same mom and dad <laughs> yeah. some people don't get it so i just want to make it known <laughs> i mean it happens yeah it should be a thing of just like you know hey i'm glad that you're doing it you know I'm glad that yeah. you're making the music that you love and you just keep doing that and uh, you know, I hope your show goes really well. I won't be exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, like, but you can you can like show. text exactly me and let it. me know. You know, like that'd be yeah. chill. We've played, like we're we've been a band for like what seven, or something like that. like that. And our parents have been to one show, so. and that was at the very beginning. And we fucking suck. I mean, 
It's like, <laughs> compared to now. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were garbage back then, but of course, it's just like we, we were, were very unpolished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just keep thinking, like, in my head, they still think that's how <laughs> like, we play. Damn. And they're probably just like, how the fuck are they still out here doing this shit, yeah. playing like that? The next time you, like, sell it a show, you'll be like, guys, that's sold out. And be like, how the fuck? <laughs> like, excuse me? People like that shit. They're like, damn, people, m- people must like bad music nowadays, huh? <laughs> Back in my day with Guns N' Roses. Oh, no. <laughs> Not the Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I, I Not would... for them. They're just like, oh, y'all y'all don't sound like Temptations, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why we're not you... Brutal Mars over here. So sorry, besties. <laughs> Why don't you do a little bit more of that, you know, singing singing in your yeah. song? Right, yeah. so Ste- the... Stevie Wonder's a real musician. You should be <laughs> like should, him. You should be like him. <laughs> I would. So I got... I would get like my parents being like, "Oh, I want to come to the show." It's like, it's late. I'm like, maybe next time and yeah. I mean, during the day. It's like, no. Yeah. Well, I probably wouldn't like know any songs anyway. It's like, yeah, probably not. Probably not. They want to learn your own songs. Damn. I wouldn't play I, them I, my songs. I remember this is like kind of a tangent, but it just reminded me when I was in like one of my first bands ever. It was like back when everyone was doing like the Christian metalcore thing, mm-hmm. and uh, we were playing it my church and i remember like we like announced at the church service like hey we're doing like a show you know if anyone wants to come and i'm like why are we doing like why are y'all making us tell them this it's a bunch of old people like they're not gonna know and i remember like this one lady like got up and she's like oh are you gonna have like the lyrics printed out so we can sing along and we were like no it's not it's not that kind of it's not that kind of like we were covering like devil wars prada and like a day to remember it was like it's not Never mind. Don't don't come. Like, don't, don't come. Don't. It's okay. Tell your like kid to come. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me. I was like looking at my Spotify today. They're like, oh, for more fans of Lincoln Park, and one of the top results for the playlist for a Spotify generated playlist was this is Cornerstone, and it was mm-hmm. all the Christian rock music. And I was like, all right. oh no. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It it was rough back then when that was the whole scene for some reason. <laughs> You had to let them have them time their time and then let them get bullied out and then yeah. that's it. You know what? Yeah. It's a lesson learned. That's what that's what God <laughs> yeah. wanted, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. eventually denounce the faith. Yeah. 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 Like all of them do. Yeah. <laughs> and say Almost. say fuck like eight times on your record. Just to really drive the point. That's home. how you know. Yeah. And that's also when you know that they're not as good of, of a band anymore. <laughs> Damn, Caleb. <laughs> oh man. See, we Jesus said we had takes. Hearts. <laughs> we were saying yeah. too we were saying before recording so we'll just make sure the audience knows you can you yeah. can have a different take that's okay yeah. oh yeah these are our like things and we yeah. think that some of these bands were better when they let the lord and the light into their heart and they wrote songs yeah. called dogs can grow hair all over and yeah. things like that oh they fucking played that shit when we saw them recently yeah. and it was crazy like <laughs> They know. Oh. They know their roots. They know what the kids yeah. really want. They know their roots above, above and, and branches but, below. Yep. Got them. Yeah. Got them. <laughs> we got All fans. Right. We got fans. You know. <laughs> oh, man. It is interesting to be like, like, how do you? I didn't. Go, I went to church shows for bands that just like that. We just rented out the church. You know, the church just yeah. letting us play a show here, and it would be like whatever. You know, it was just a bunch of bands from from the suburbs and shit that would come through. But I'm like, were there any? Was there anybody like from the church who was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go check out the show that's happening." I, like, I think go it check happened at ours. Gig? 
<laughs> I think it happened at ours, and they didn't stay for very long, but oh. I think they showed up. I, I don't remember, really, but, yeah, I don't know. We had, like, a weird scene where I lived, because I grew up in, like, West Virginia, so it was, like, we had, like, a bunch of, like, stoner, like, deathcore kids, and then we had, like, the Christcore scene, and there was, like... Oh, my God, was, that's a and they nice And they both hated position. each other, and it was just... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they're probably just thinking, like, they go in there, like, these damn kids. Yeah. <laughs> these dang kids, they're going to be damned to hell, but, you know, whatever gets them in God's house. You know? Whatever gets <laughs> we'll them, maybe go. they'll no, leave they with a nice That's pamphlet. literally what they were, like, that, that, like, they were like, yeah, we're going to get, like, all the, like, all the, like, mountain kids that are just, like, doing meth and listening to, listening to Chelsea Grin to come in here and hear Jesus. And convert to God. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a time. Wait, were these like the the Christian like mega churches, or was it like actual oh, no. like old like Catholic churches, or it was a it was like an old Episcopal church. Okay. So, and then they had like a like a community center that was just like an old building that like had like a gym in it, and that's where we did the shows. We only did a few of them, but there was another church that we went to, or not that I went not went to as going to the church, but like do, would do shows all the time. That was like it still wasn't a mega church, but it was like a little more modern. Um, and they just had like shows there all the time like they had like the dude from corn's other band come play there like, love and death played there um I can't, they had some cool bands play there that one was like actually kind of popping but oh my yeah. god a well-known venue church hey guys yeah. how do we get like hardcore church shows to come back in 2023 tragically church shows didn't come back in 2023 at least not on our radar we felt it would only be appropriate to put pulses right next to our interview with Hinder, and they talk about being in the studio and maybe whipping up some new music. So check this out. So now you were saying uh, your your singer's currently downstairs doing uh, editing. So uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that's for you know music and for new stuff. And uh, you're you're on your seventh studio album, and you say you're in the middle of it, so I don't want to like, uh, you know, say what does it sound like? Can you play it for us and all of that? But like, if you want to give like a tease to the audience of like what you're writing and and what we should expect. Hey, well, to be really honest with you, I don't really know what to expect. <laughs> we've written a, a ton of songs and we've recorded, you know, more than an album's worth already. But um, you know, we're so all over the place, you know. Um, we like every kind of music that there is, honestly. And so, you know, right now we're just trying to figure out what it what it needs to be as a whole, if it even needs to be cohesive at all. I mean, I, I don't even know anymore, you know, like people are just kind of doing whatever, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, so I don't know, we're trying to decide if we want it to be like some cohesive body of work or if we want to just, you know, kind of make every song be what it's, you know, written to be, and then just kind of let it like be its own thing, you know? So, um, yeah, we're, like I said, all over the place and, and we don't really know what the hell we're doing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, while you're like putting together all these like different songs and like just trying to think of like how it's going to form, are there any specifically like, kind of like influences for like modern music that you've started to pull from, especially right now, like hard rock has seen like a huge resurgence or maybe it's just because I listen to Octane a lot <laughs> nowadays because they have serious XM again. But I've been seeing like this change in sound and a lot of people having a lot of takes on that uh, development, the, the the development of the sound. And wanted to know if you guys are also like maybe dabbling in that. 
Yeah, I mean, we we try to we try to push everything, you know, and try to you know come up, incorporate different uh, different styles into whatever we're doing. You know what I mean? So, um, I think even you know one of our one of our newer songs has has like a a mandolin part in it, or you know, so it's got like which I don't know. This song's kind of it's a song that we've actually been playing live, so um, some people have have heard it, but um, you know, it's got it's you know it's kind of got like that four on the floor pop thing going with you know some some big guitars and um, then like I said like a mandolin part and it's I don't know it's got just things from everywhere that we you know we tried to pull in and then you know then we've got some some other songs that are another song that we play live um, is is real uh, it's kind of it's heavy but it's kind of got some industrial elements to it I guess and some uh, some electronic elements so um, you know we're always trying to to listen to you know other songs that are popular just for inspiration just to see what other people are doing and uh, you know just see if it if it inspires us to to come up with something new so it, it could be a pop punk record <laughs> Actually, yes, uh, we have. <laughs> Funny and there goes that. pop punk. <laughs> we ha actually have written like three, three different like pop punk songs for this particular album. I don't know if it's going to make it or not, but um, <laughs> actually one of our favorite songs is like, it's like pop punk, like as pop punk as it could be. So <laughs> I mean, we're, like I said, we're, we're really all over the place. We write every different style i mean marshall and i and actually and mike and blower were, were in it too but for a while we did a, a country project um and then you know marshall and i had this you know very short-lived alternative project and you know like i said we're we're all over the place we love everything i mean i i always say like i think that's the uh kind of the right way especially now when it's just like you know i might hear one song and then it's like ah let me it's like one song gets on one playlist right and you're like okay that's the song that like fits on that playlist maybe i go to the artist and it's like okay they're all different songs but it all fits like different moods and different genres and all that and i think that's just like kind of normal now where like uh you don't have to fit in that box so cleanly and so so perfectly it can be just like, yeah, I do what we do. And this is like the culmination of these people together in the studio that we get this out of it. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's awesome. Yeah, man, me too. And, and honestly, like, I think it's really cool to see these, these artists come out now that um, it's really obvious that they're not being told what to do behind the scenes by a, a label or whatever. Um, you know, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jelly Roll. Yeah. But that dude, that dude is doing everything. He just, it just seems like he just does whatever it is that he wants to do. And it's, it's always great. You know, he's super talented. His songs are awesome. Um, but, you know, they don't necessarily fit into to one tiny box. You know, they're, they may be country, they may be rock, they may be rap, they may be, you know, whatever. Like, I think that's that's super cool and and for us like uh you know we draw inspiration from that for sure i know with like jelly roll too specifically um one of the i work in radio and one of our um programming directors for the country station we had him on one of um our like shows over the summer 
And they came back in and they're like, oh, my God, we had this guy named Jolly Roll. And he's like, I was so blown away, but I was so confused because it's not traditional country. <laughs> but everyone was like losing their minds. And I'm like, well, I heard Jelly Roll on Octane. So I didn't know that there was that much of a crossover per se until that instant. I'm like, that's really good because that means yeah. he's just expanding his audience. Yeah, yeah he's, he's incredible. We, we had the opportunity. We, uh, we played Blue Ridge uh, Rock Festival and uh, he was on headlining another stage and we got to go watch him and that dude's he's legit man he's the real deal so um yeah i don't know like i said it's it's very inspiring yeah i think like without with all that too it's just like it's it's what fans are gravitating towards and like i think genre has just fallen completely out of it and it's way more about like the authenticity of the artist and like connecting to the people that are playing it and uh, and the lyrics and the music are around it and it's like people like that just tend to like rise to the top because they just are that authentic type of person there's not that like sheen over them from a label and like the polish of like i mean like talking like mtv and vh1 back in in 2005 and stuff and it's like there's just like very like untouchable artists and you're like i don't know them but like I'll say it in this way. I never thought in 2005 that I'd be sitting across from Hinder right now. So it's like one of those things where it's like, well, now I know there's like this authenticity to artists, right? Like these, these are regular people who just like creating things and, and want to play in front of regular people and just have that connection. And I think that now that we've sort of like been able to break down a lot of that facade, it's just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just liking what this person is creating and what this person is about. And now you get to have more of that interaction than, you know, seeing somebody on TV and being like, cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't know. This, this whole, like, I guess it's kind of like a new, a new movement too, you know, with, you know, like I said, there's like a lack of record labels and, and corporate interests, uh, you know, kind of putting their, their nose into the uh to the creative process and uh you know i i think that's i think that's awesome i think it kind of it, it needed to happen you know for for music to continue to grow um so i i think i kind of feel like maybe it's a little bit less in in the rock world um you know kind of where where we live i guess but it's getting there you know starting to happen more and more and uh i don't know it's very exciting to me you know i think rock is finally starting to catch up again i think as a result of that people are finally finally growing some balls and kind of pushing back a little bit and doing their own thing 2024 will also continue the year of the butt rock everybody but we're gonna shift back into some punk rock actually and look back at our chat with dr daryl wilson of the bull weevils and actually we have the same like adopted hometown and we we bond over that. I've interviewed him before a handful of years ago, and he's always fantastic to talk to. And they were coming on to talk about their latest album that came out this year. And here's us talking about how punk kids don't ever really talk about leaving their hometown like the pop punk kids do. So to uh, hark back to what we were talking about before we were recording, as we've been yeah. doing here and there. Um, we obviously talk a lot about like Chicago local legends, but we were talking about also from the hometown that both, you know, adopted hometown, but both of us basically how we have a lot of punk bands and yeah. punk bands that come here and nobody say the name of the town, about. say it, say it, 
Say the name of the town with your whole chest. Let the people know what town we're talking about, Lizzie. Naperville. You can say Naperville. it. Yeah. I was you trying to say be Naperville. like, yes, let's do an intro. <laughs> you know, you can say it. No, I, I thought Lizzie was kind of avoiding it slightly. Out of it's like... No, I was trying to like intro it to toss it. I see. I mean, I see. you've got, you know, AM Taxi. You've got Lucky Boys Confusion. You've got, you know us you know well got me from the wheels i mean you got chicago members i mean that's the thing you've got you know jeff Bazzotti is from out here um from naked ray gun um you know 30 seconds deep back in the day you know all these i mean it's like there, there's all kinds of uh fun that comes out of the western burbs you know it, so you could go farther out and go to elgin and start talking about you know slapstick and the lawrence arms and um, you know, new bands like the usuals and things like that, or talk about tricky Dick from back in the day. Um, you know, the four squares, you know, all, all these bands that were out from the Western verbs. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's cool that, you know, even Chicagoland area has kind of its own, um, you know, regions when you have, you know, punk and how it sounds and how you can tell that a band's from a certain region, um, you know, bands that are from, you know, Addison versus bands that are from, you know, uh, Elgin area, like I mentioned, um, it's kind of had a lookoutish kind of jawbreakery sound. And then you've got, you know, all these Chicago bands that sound more uh, buzzsawy, guitar-y and, and industrially sounding in some senses, kind of like us and Naked Raygun and Effigies and Pegboy, things like that. Um, so it, it's, it's cool. I mean, we're all just Midwestern, right? It, so even when you go farther out and you go to like, minnesota and you know detroit and you know even you consider ohio you get all these bands that kind of have this similar sound indiana all of us have this midwestern homegrown kind of sound hell i mean you think about most you know emo bands it's like the, it, the midwest is where all that kind of grew i mean you, you get you know bands like braid and you know you go back to even farther with friction and engage and, and all those guys that came out of that started all this stuff up it's like that's where you know we have this unique thing of being between both coasts and you know having our own influences of what we do here um maybe the winners make us have this problem as well too um but the midwest has its own kind of unique kind of sound to it and then i was having a conversation about this just the other day that a lot of areas that aren't on the coast, like you don't have, you know, New York and the, you know, um, uh, uh, that area versus, you know, LA and, and California. And then you have all these areas that are in between and, you know, Florida and, and Colorado and all these places, a lot of people gravitated towards, you know, these different areas to kind of have influences for their bands. And many people pick Chicago as their biggest influences where they had, you know, love for Pegboy and Raygun and us and, and then, you know, Apocalypse Hoboken and the Smoking Popes and all those bands. And, and that's cool. You know, Screeching Weasel, um, you know, the Vindictives, Oblivion, all those bands. And that's kind of cool that, that the Midwest has this draw of people coming to it and people from outside of the Midwest looking to us to kind of influence them, which is cool. So we, we have our own unique thing. And a lot of us had influence from like, you know, the East Coast and the West Coast and hearing all these things and then making it into our own sound here. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it Naperville has a lot of, you know, 
punk rock legends that came out of it. I will also game. throw in a Kelly Mossy because yeah, I, Kelly Mossy, I yes, went to yes. high school with Sam and yeah, John. Sam, yes. We interviewed just, them and I got in the call and they're like, did you go to this high school? And I'm like, yes. why do you look familiar? Like, cause we went to high school together. I'm like, we were just talking about that at the residence show. So we were talking <laughs> about that it's Naperville stuff. It's like, you're still in Naperville. I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, listen, we, we, we keep putting people out there, I guess, you know, despite all the bad rap that it yeah. gets, I guess. I, I listen, I think, it's, you know what the, the bad rap comes from? This is how you get the punk music is that you have problems <laughs> that are there and then you write the true. songs about it. And then <laughs> it's a circle effect. And there are problems are. that there are problems everywhere. Nobody's exempt. Yep. Nobody's exempt. It, we're just it, like the, we're, we're like the city on the, the Globex city. On The Simpsons and the Globex. If you ever watch The Simpsons, there's an episode where Homer gets a job with Globex and they go to the town and it's like that's that's Naperville, <laughs> basically. That's what it is. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, punk especially is a music that's made out. I'm, of I'm joking. I love my town. I'm not gonna sit there and disparage it because it's I'll like it's it. too it's too easy. It's like you know <laughs> it's punching down. It's like too easy to do that. It's like so lame. <laughs> oh my hometown, blah blah blah. It's like ah, whatever. Wait, I like listen. My we're town. not it's all a day to remember. Let's calm down. <laughs> right. It's all good. It's fine. <laughs> Punk is like I'm. I'm from here, and I'm gonna try to make a change. And pop punk is like I gotta get the fuck out of here. And they're from a much nicer place than anyone who wrote a punk rock song. Right. It's right. like a meme that's been going around where it's like pop punk bang is like I gotta get out of here, and then it's like a, a three million dollar McMansion that they're trying to leave. And it's like, dude, your life is fine. What are you trying to leave? Yeah. Yeah, they're still maybe they're missing something. They're, I don't know. They're missing something that there's something in their heart that's missing. I don't know what it is. It's and then you know I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not a. I I mean I like pop punk to listen to it, but I don't play in a pop punk band, so I don't understand it. I don't know. I'm old. I'm old, not pop. I'm staying. I'm staying in this uh, in this hometown. Not leaving. Not leaving. We're right. Fine. Yeah. I mean, we moved away and came back. It's like, what do you do? It's like, okay, what's that all about? You know, they you get all. Older and you're like, hmm. They all end up like, I think it, uh, Chicago, especially, it feels like. I, I, you know, what it is, it's like, you know, every punk rockers, you know, talks about, you know, school of hard knocks. I mean, I, I can't send my kids to the school of hard knocks. That's what it is. Yes. So they got to go. You're to like, I went here and district. I didn't have a good time. Yeah. And now my kids yeah. don't really need to go there. So, <laughs> you know, where are you from? School of hard knocks, man. Where's your kids going? Oh, they're going to the prep school. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> we had to go suck. uniform shopping. Um, yes. You know. <laughs> They have braces on their uniform though and spikes. Cause my kid's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. Punk yep, exactly. It'd be like the hard knocks that they have is that they have metal braces instead of Invisalign. That's right. Right. Humble them. <laughs> Lord. That's the humbling we're doing. Um yep. it does feel like uh of all the places where people are like, uh, I'm gonna go back to there. You know, it's like Chicago yeah. and the Midwest does feel like that city where people are like even when they move away, like to an LA or to a New York, they're like, yeah, but I still feel like that Chicago draw. And that like, I was mostly just thinking of like fallout boy. And there's like, yeah, we, we still love Chicago. And it's like, y'all live in LA except for uh, Andy, who I still think lives in, in Milwaukee or somewhere in Wisconsin. So it's like, yeah, you're, you're all in LA now, but you're like writing songs about Chicago. And it's like, 
can't it, leave it. You can't get away yeah, from you it. Yeah, you can't. It's, uh, there's something about the Midwest sensibilities, I think, that, that kind of stays with you wherever you go. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's like putting on an old sweater that fits well and you like say, hey, this is great. You might be someplace else, but you're always going to pine for, you know, the things that give you comfort. It's comfort food. Chicago's comfort food for everybody. So it's good. Okay, maybe you did leave your hometown and you ran off to L.A. to get your superstar dreams in action. And we talk with Carr about her single, Industry Kids, off of her latest album that came out last year called The Car Show. And what that kind of meant for her when she was first trying to get her footing in the L.A. music scene. Kind of talking about like how there's all these people in the industry and like how we want them to be really cool, really chill. Can you talk a little bit about industry kids and kind of like what that is going to encompass? Yeah. Well, I am spilling some massive tea in industry kids. Oh, shit. Which is what I do best. But it's pretty much my hatred of the industry. (laughs) (laughs) And I it's based on two. I had a very wild weekend. I don't even remember when I wrote this song. I've been holding on to it for like a minute because I remember my teen was like, it's not the right time. Like everyone's been in love with this song for a while. And they're like, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. They're like, okay, now is the right time. But it's, I had this weekend where I was Pete. I had met Pete and he was interested in signing me. And I guess this was like last last uh summer or something i don't even remember but and and we were taking meetings with with labels together to see like who wanted to like sign me for an album so we were meeting like a and r's and we went to i don't even know if i can say this because it's live but i'm going to (laughs) so here we go whoops um the tea the tea is being spilled so we went to um soho house classic mm-hmm. do you know soho house? oh yeah oh, yes. we have one out here yeah so the meeting was at soho house and it was with this girl this person that was like 22 and like her dad was like you know the ceo of some label or something and like me and pete were just sitting there and i think i was just being like a psycho and i was talking about like sucking dick or something and she was just like like so disturbed by me like she was literally like who are you (laughs) and me and pete (laughs) me and pete left and he's like yeah like i don't really think that was the right (laughs) and i was like yeah i definitely don't think so (laughs) and then um the next day, my friend was playing a show, and it was, like, this backyard show, and it was, like, a house party type of thing, and it was just, like, all industry kids, like, all, like, living in LA, there's, like, this big circle of, like, young 20s, A&Rs, like, they all just, like, go to the same bars, they all hang out, they're all just, like, you know, bullshit, 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 And they were just all there. And it was literally like my nightmare of a party. I was like, I am just going to smoke weed in the corner and then leave because (laughs) this is not my vibe. (laughs) So I think I literally left and I was like, wow, that was traumatic. And then I had a session the next day and I was like, I'm ready to talk some shit. So then Industry Kids was born. (laughs) 
So it's pretty much just like me dissing them all. <laughs> but it's a banger. <laughs> Look, I stand by that 100%. That yeah. is very much yeah. within my vibe of like the tea to spill. It's just it's just not my vibe. I'll just say, I'll just leave it at that. And I just was like that period of <laughs> that period of time was just me taking a lot of meetings and meeting like a lot of industry people to figure out like make my team. And it just wasn't it. And I was like, this is fucking awful. So I have some things to say. And yeah, but I found I found a great team of people that get me. So that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't need to go through all of that again, ideally. <laughs> mm, I don't know if they would put me through that again. Hopefully not. <laughs> I don't think so. Just the industry is just, yeah, it's messy. I think it's like that for a lot of things. I mean, I think the TV world is maybe just as bad, but honestly, who knows? I mean, I I can't say much from being here in Chicago. I know that like when we, yeah. you know, what we're looking at here is like, uh, you know, sort of how they do it in L.A. or the L.A. sort of vibe or the L.A. sort of experience, you know? Uh, yeah first time i ever went out there i was like this is awful everybody just talks like the same but they they all talk like they've got this thing going on but they all like don't have anything going on <laughs> uh yeah and i went it's back so bad. I, I went back after a friend of ours moved out there and he he works on a couple of uh of internet productions and i was like oh okay i'm starting to get it like i'm starting to understand at least yeah. like what that is but I certainly think that if you're not like originally from L.A. and then you go there and you're like trying to talk to people, you sort of just get that vibe from people. And it's like, what the what the fuck are you talking about? Be a person. Be normal. Be it, like yeah. a real person. I'm like, we're all people. Like, why can we like it's just like, I don't know. It's just really uncomfortable to be around sometimes. And I know not everyone's like that because I've obviously met A&Rs that I really like. But, you know there's just like a very intense circle here mm -hmm. <laughs> and just like being at soho house i was like this is so creepy <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's just sitting there on their computers like looking around and i'm like oh that good. makes it worse i feel like you were trying to liven up the chat then yeah. so i feel like they should say thank you <laughs> yeah right it was just it was just a really weird experience i mean being in LA in general is maybe I need to move to Chicago. Listen, uh, we're all pretty nice here. It's <laughs> again, we were talking about the weather before, which is like, you know, the average conversation, but yeah. look, I, I it's it's been raining a lot in LA this year and it's it's as far as I can tell, it's either like raining or way too hot. And all I'm saying is Chicago, you know, we yeah. got that temperate Midwest temperature, you know. True. We're just chilling out here. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I need to do that. And just remember, when the world inevitably does end, the Midwest, specifically mm -hmm. Chicago, because we have the lakes near us, we'll be safe. Yeah. Everyone else? Yeah. California is going to break off and just, God only knows what's going to happen yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> the dinosaurs are coming back. Okay. That would be incredible, though. Yeah. Because we all know Honestly, we all want to ride a dinosaur. I would love to ride a dinosaur. I'm not going to lie. Do you think a Triceratops <laughs> would let you? Like, if you met a Triceratops, do you think that Triceratops is going like, to let me ride? <laughs> I feel like Triceratops are chill as fuck. Yeah. I get the I same like they, sense. 
they would be like hop on let's go for a ride smoke your joint yeah <laughs> but i that's the vibe i got from triceratops yeah i and this is based on almost zero knowledge Hey everyone, it's another year that the Emo Social Club is nominated for Best Music Podcast by the Chicago Reader. And we would love it if starting on Wednesday, December 13th, you go over to their site and vote for us. We have had like a really eventful year, especially the last few months, and it would mean the world to us if you could tell people that you think that we are the best podcast. To vote, you can go to chicagoreader.com slash best of Chicago and just scroll through there and look for music and nightlife and find us under best music podcast voting starts on December 13th at noon central time and runs till midnight on January 14th thank you again so much to everybody who listens to us and who supported us over the last few years of us getting up and running and getting our shit together we have so much more planned for 2024 and we would love if we could be number one from new and cutting edge to the classics, well, a little bit of a classic, we're talking with Max Bemis of Say Anything in this next clip. And honestly, we found out that we were one of the only few people who did get interviews with him. And I don't know how that worked out. I was very befuddled about it. But Max is super sweet. We've seen him really quickly at Riot Fest and when we were Young Fest a few times. And he's always so nice. And hopefully we can uh, keep on hanging out with him, especially on the upcoming tour for Is a Real Boy. And here we talk a little bit about that character that's based off of him. I think it's really interesting that compared to so many other acts that we like listen to and just like have their mm -hmm. album discography of where they're doing these types of concept albums that like tell the story of somebody mm -hmm. else, but then they're acting as it. It seems like you are your own yeah. actor within your own storyline, even if it is different, but, and you kind of kept it going. Are, you know, and I think that comes from the fact that like, I wanted to write before I wanted to be in a band. Um, and I was just kind of a movie geek and a comic geek. And, and, and when I say geek, like that gives it too much. I admire geeks. I admire people who like toughed it out in like freaking Texas, like, and, and had to fight jocks and stuff. Like I was in LA where like those were the cool kids, you know, but I was still technically a geek. Like I, I devoted my life to like movies and, and, and just dreaming and reading books and thinking about stuff like that. And then, you know, it was really age appropriate to get into punk music. And so I went with it and I loved it. And it was just perfect for me. It was more visceral than like one day I may write a novel or direct a movie or make a comic, you know? So it was like, fuck yeah, I can do this right now. And I love music just as much as I love this other stuff. But initially I was always just thinking about things in that sort of, you know, a dude who's taken mushrooms and thinks he's deep way. Um, you know, so, so mm -hmm. I, I, and I also <laughs> think it's funny, you know, like, you know, what you said is awesome and like, I appreciate it, but I also think it's like pretty hokey. And I see that, you know, the only thing that really separates me from like someone who would be like, yeah, I just like, I'm so sorry to say this because he's nice, but like Jared Leto, you know what I mean? Like where he's like, I became the Joker. I was mailing them like boiled <laughs> potatoes with blood in the middle and they would have to, you know, like. 
Yeah. Um, and he's, he's that same way in his band, you know, like he gets up there and I'm like, fuck dude, that's like Michael Jackson level, you know, like he's so confident, but he's not like humping girls faces. He's like in some kind of weird sci-fi thing that he's narrating in his head. And I admire it. And it's like, but I'm no better because like, if you were like a Harvard professor or something, you would look at like my exercises in like intellectualism and like meta and you'd be like, this is r ridiculous. Like this guy's just in an emo game. And I've seen that, like that energy started out for me when I went to like Sarah Lawrence College and I was like the bro, you know what I mean? Like as much as like I'm self-aware and all these things, I'm an actor in this thing. It's like, they're like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like you just like smoke weed and like, you, you know, like I, it was just like, I, I, I was a dork there in a way because I was too norm. So I've kind of fallen into that almost more than I've fallen into. I play into a character I think that's dumber and a lot of people play into a character that's like cooler or more like worldly and you know what I mean? Like they're the leader of some revolution. And I'm like, no, like if I, because my self image tends to be negative. Like um, I've risen above that over time, but like I'm an insecure fucking person as fuck. And the only way I can be secure is, is owning that. Yeah. I found like with, uh, let's, let's go with another like concept thing of like my cat yeah. black parade, yeah. three cheers too. It's like, I think it tends to be like, I want to tell a story that is autobiographical. I'm using quotes mm -hmm. for the listener, but it's not quite about like, it's not like Gerard is saying, this is what is happening exactly. to me. He's giving like a little bit of like, I can separate myself from the art in that way. And, that. and like the way you're describing it is exactly what I liked about say anything is like, there is no separation mm -hmm. here, even though there is, it's still it's very much really like cool. And that, I've never really thought about it that way, but it's true because that is the distinction. I think what it is, is more like, you know, if Gerard is like, you know, Spielberg in that scenario, and he's telling these really cool, big stories that, you know, spin out of his psyche. I tend to like, as much as possible, make it a blatant thing. Like, I mean, God for, you know, forgive him if he was guilty, but like, I grew up a lot with like Woody Allen and people like that. And, mm -hmm. and even if you look at like Kevin Smith, like all his movies are just like his friends mm -hmm. chilling in a fucking mall. It's blatantly, you'll have the main guy. And even if he's like a super handsome dude, like whatever, he's still just Kevin Smith. Like they just talk like, him. Mm -hmm. and he's blatant. He makes fun of the movie clerks in the Jane Silent Bob. Like that's definitely yep. a thing, you know, where, <laughs> where, but at the same time, like, you know, Silent Bob isn't exactly like him. And even Jay, you know, for that poor actor dude who like went through all that shit. Like I'm sure there are times yeah. he's a great example where he's like, I play into this thing of being like a complete idiot and I do talk like that, but it's me at my worst. And so therefore it's more amusing. And like my art is making fun of myself. So why would I sit there and be like, God, I feel good today. I'm sober. Yes. And like, there's some moments like that and say anything that are really sincere, but like, like you said, where I'm using like an interpretation of my own events, embellishing it, um, and also interpreting it in probably the worst way possible. You know what I mean? So like Molly Conley, like that wasn't a real person. Um, it was just a collection of, of my insecurities about being in a band, you know, um, that it was selfish and misogynistic. And I just wanted to be as honest as possible. And I admit that to even bring levity to that is almost problematic, but I think I can't help but be that kind of problematic. You know, like I always will, you know, in a way apologize and be like, I hope the next generation has a better go. And they seem to, you know what I mean? Like hotelier or, or like, um, 
modern baseball or, or front bottoms. Like there's a little bit less of that toxicity, but I think, unfortunately, I grew up with a lot of fucking toxicity in my family, mm-hmm. in my teenage years, and then especially the early years of the band. So I think it's something I have to address. And now, especially coming back, it just is what we represent to people was rising above that, I think, and making fun of it and feeling like being able to laugh at it and feel like there's some real emotion in this scene that was becoming really contrived. And like, you know, the people who initially liked is a real boy were like into brand new and into taking back and all that stuff, which I love, but we're able to go, okay, but I'm starting to feel a little bit weird here because there's dudes <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, I'm feeling a little bit like everyone's getting stuck up and it's not what it once was. And that in and of itself became almost like a prideful thing where it's like, I'm above this. So it's just a very, it's a post like scene thing so i can't not address that you know i wrote the last album was about like a literal you know a closeted homophobic serial murderer you know like (laughs) the guy from american psycho Mm -hmm. and it's like but then who would stop brett easton ellis from writing american psycho just because it's a comment on a part of him that feels closeted he's like an open gaming so i just think it's like i hope that maybe like with like stuff like podcasts and uh social media blah 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 blah. but like in the sense that it does get more integrated where people in bands or young you do see that though because i'm so sorry i'm rambling so bad right now i like had coffee i love listen i love this media analysis let's go (laughs) well i just think you see like the people that my kids like you know what i mean like like oliver tree is my like younger kids favorite like they know all his songs and everything but he's doing what I did essentially. He's more than just a dude to band. He's making fun of himself. He's like, like really earnestly enjoying it. He enjoys fashion, but it's like ridiculous fashion. And he also is like a comedian, you know? So I think that's almost like where to this day, I'm still striving to do more of that. You know, I wrote comics. I continue to do that. And, um, you know, I, I, I think my mistake in going, I'm a writer was going like, I can be both and I don't have to like resent this part of myself because I love it. And the only reason I resented it was because I was psychologically fucked up and letting it like run my life. Everyone has to start out somewhere. And after this interview, actually, we had Jack Appleby reach out to us and want to come and talk to us about him starting out, starting absolutepunk.com back in the olden days and kind of where he is now. He's a huge social media influencer, especially on LinkedIn and Twitter. And he's always just so insightful and great to talk to. So check out what we chatted about here. The internet. The internet. It's like, it's free to shut the fuck up. But it's also free to say the weirdest and dumbest shit. Uh, as we were, we were also saying, I'm just getting the most unhinged comments in our YouTube because of a video we made. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I do feel like it is a certain person who can handle the negativity. I don't think it's a good thing for anyone to be able to handle it. And I certainly don't believe that anybody should be faced with it at a constant rate. I've, I've said to Lizzie, like, Lizzie. I don't want them to have any room for like misogyny or any incel type behavior. I'm like, please target them at the straight white guy. I can fucking handle it. I'm I'm gonna be okay. But it's still they find ways. They find like, oh man, you'll you'll find something uh, to just say the dumbest thing about or the meanest thing about. And I I I'm happy that there's a more positive social media. I, it's also why I like Instagram because it's like you have to post a photo. Or you have to post something. You can't just like 
bullshit it. It's not just like, ah, I typed out for two seconds. Like, there's a little bit more of, like, a, a barrier to posting something on Instagram to be mean or to be rude, except in the comment section, which I also read there, and then I turn it off. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, like, you see people post, like, relationship photos on Instagram, and you see people on Twitter go, people who post relationship photos aren't as happy as they pretend to be. I'm like, I get it. You're a Twitter user. Yeah. That, that checks out, actually. Yeah. Just, keep, just stay over there. It's yep. like you haven't touched grass. You haven't talked to anybody, period. <laughs> You haven't felt joy in years. Calm down. Other people do. It's fine. <laughs> well, it's tough. Like, I was literally having this conversation today because, like, I have such a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Like, my a huge portion of my income comes because of my Twitter, whether it's through sponsored content or the people that I meet. Um, but for years, like, I was not good in person with people for a very long time. I was a cripplingly shy like a joke, like a, a very serious, real joke is that I used to like, I don't think I hit on my first girl at a bar till like 26. Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk to people, but I knew how to use the internet to meet people. Like I remember when I got to college, my doormates were really into Alexis on fire, who I'd never heard of at the time. Showed, like gave me a CDRW, if people remember those, <laughs> oh, of like, yeah. their entire catalog. Yep. And then I, like the whole way I got into the music blog scene, I was like, wait, there's something called Twitter where I can meet other people who, who like, didn't live in my hometown who like the same music as me. <laughs> and that's how Mind Equals Blown was founded, was, like, me and two other guys found each other who liked post-hardcore music. But then years and years later, like, after I built this presence for myself about marketing, like, I experienced my first hate on the internet. It was really jarring for me because, like, that was my safe place to meet people. Mm. And when I experienced that first time was during pandemic. So in a yeah. one week period, like I went through a breakup, uh, me and my parents stopped speaking to each other over political and family trauma things. And I had the first time people came at me on Twitter for something just like blatantly false about a small business <laughs> that I ran. And like, I had never felt more alone in my life because I had been using the internet to meet people for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm still like my friend today, she's like, you're still mourning that Twitter will never be this for you again, because now you got to deal with these people all day long. So it's it's weird. <sighs> that's so interesting and terrible at the same time because I know that some people have talked about third spaces as well. And I mm. think in a way, like social media, like just in general, certain social medias have been that third space for folks, especially during the pandemic where people lot you know, a bunch of people start started TikToks. So a lot of people started their own independent ventures during this time. And they're like, well, this is my one place I can just like hone in on and focus and not deal with anything else. Mm -hmm. Totally. So like for me, like it was like, I mean, I felt like I lost like something really important to me and like a really like essential tool for me to connect with people. And like, don't get me wrong. I've like come out the other side. I figured out how to use it again. Like, but it's not, I've not been able to find like the same safety with it that I had before. Like, and I mean, a lot of this, I think, is pandemic stuff. Like, people during the most unhinged people were more online than ever. <laughs> a lot of them built audiences and got new dopamine hits that they mm -hmm. weren't used to. And they just stuck around. Yep. Like, and it's, it's, uh, I, I miss the day, like, I, I, I miss the days when I had 10,000 followers. It was a different <laughs> time. Like, now, like, with my audience size, like, it's, I get hate every day. That's completely nonsensical. <laughs> Uh, on that note, there's a lot of bands <laughs> who, uh, obviously it, 
I think the interesting thing for like a band having to post on there too, or anybody who's doing a creative in th- thing is like, it's not just like you're posting on there because you're like, I want to talk to people and I want to give my opinion and I want to have conversation. It's also like, Hey, our new single just came out. Hey, we have an album coming out. Hey, we're going on tour. And like, it becomes a place where it's also advertising your stuff and putting yourself out there in a way that like, most people will never be putting themselves out there because they don't even use their own profile photo and they can say whatever the fuck they want. Um, and I, I know you're, you're probably on the same page of like, you got to be on every platform. You got to be on Instagram. You got to be posting on TikTok. You got to be doing all this stuff. And so like, how do you think a band should be kind of navigating those types of things on, on all these platforms now that like we are post quote unquote, again, for the audience at home, quote unquote, post pandemic, <laughs> uh now that we're the like new normal yeah the new normal quote unquote listen i like to say in the newsrooms there was a collective ap cell agreement that we are technically post-pandemic now it still exists but it's not the pandemic everything that we had to inc- encounter before if 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 alternative uh, press says that's how we say it then no. i'll do it <laughs> got him yes um no i mean so it, it's fun like to me, bands and labels alike, especially from like the emo scene, are completely missing the opportunity. Like that comes with modern social media. Like I mean, like what like Braden Bales will be one of my most played albums by the end of the year. Like he went viral for Chronically Cautious and like had all these TikTok hits, and he's a kid. And like he's not backed. He actually assigned a record deal, but like he's a TikToker. And there's the, this air of this TikTok musician. That model could absolutely be replicated by a legacy band that's coming back, could be replicated by a brand new pop punk band. And it's just, I just don't think that there's been a ton of strategic thinking in the music social media world. Like the labels have people and like the labels have a lot of good people, but the, like we view TikTok as, what is the artist we're talking Gale? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Right? Like, so like, we think about like trending songs and we think about like plants and there's so much more you can do on TikTok as a band. Like arrows and action is a perfect example. They have like last time I looked they had like a couple hundred thousand followers. And most of what they do is the same style that a TikTok artist would do where it's like, they're taking the absolute catchiest part of their choruses. They're eliminating the millennial pause. So like the music starts right as soon as that TikTok begins. And they're trying different formats of this thing. And the rule of content is like, if we all think we got to make new content all the time. Like I worked at ad agencies. We were paid to make new content. That's not the best strategy for mo- like most of the time, especially for bands. You got a, a chorus you believe in, or like it's your to me to you your best catchiest thing. Pump that out over and over and over and over and over again through as many different formats as possible. Because it like if it's as good as like the audience will tell you if they actually like it, the algorithm will get you to your potential audience. But like to me, like I'm not seeing the bands like and again, I'm I'm on the I'm 34. I'm listening to a lot of legacy bands at this point from the scene. Like Balance Composure will be what like my most played this year. Like I found you guys because I was googling like did we talk to Bemis and say anything came back and I listened <laughs> to that whole interview. Um, like. Same thing's a great one. Like, I would love to work with Max on like showing a generation who he is and what his music looks like. But there's just not that many social strategic thinkers within the music scene. 
I think too, there's been so many folks that we've tried to talk to, like either them like legacy bands or even there's a couple newer acts. We actually, so we obviously, we get like a bunch of press, like pressers that are in our email every day. And there was one that like made me stop. I was walking and reading and I'm like, what, what are you sending me? They're like, we're this fan from here. We have no social media presence. And I'm like, oh. what is, this does nothing for either of us <laughs> at this point. And I'm like, now I, I don't even want to listen to your music because this is, again, not going to do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one of my favorite albums from the last couple of years is this band called Aji, who I only recently figured out that it's pronounced that way. It's, it's A-D-J-Y. Um, and it's a, they were signed to, I forget which one of the little tiny indies, but then Triple Crown picked them up. And that's how I got on them. And, and Zach actually texted me back. I think this will be your thing. Um, and I was obsessed. Like, and like their last album, it's a 75 minute concept record where there's like a, there's a story. And then there's a narrator who's telling a different story about that story within it. And there's like, I got a book somewhere. Cause they put out a hardcover book for you to like, understand this thing. To me, it's genius. I absolutely love it. They don't have social media, and it drives me insane. Absolutely insane. Like, so like, I'm one of the only people that's even talked about them, and like, because of my following, their manager even got a hold of me because like, hi, saw you actually like this band and you do marketing, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to help you. I don't, first of all, I don't have time, but second of all, like, I don't know how to help you guys. Like, be on the internet. Be, be there. Uh, I just pulled them up on Spotify and they don't even have like their pictures, their profile pictures, the album cover. <laughs> oh, wait, really? Yeah. Uh, they have a cover photo on there. And I mean, I mean, I, you just got me very interested because it's, yeah. if it's that big of like a, a, a musical project, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that probably a lot of people would be very into if they knew it existed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm probably 70 bucks into this band from owning multiple books that they've published about their own music to understand their lyrics and stories. <laughs> I love concept records. Yeah. But like, it's like, it's this genius thing, but they like, they have no social. And to me, like, don't get me wrong. Like I don't, from what I've learned about this guy, like he's like a musical mastermind genius kind of dude. I don't think he's the type who's going to sit there making TikToks, but at the same time, TikToks don't have to be this like cliche slapstick dancey type stuff like tiktok's just a distribution network like this is like therapists are big on tiktok mm-hmm. like basketball stars are big on tiktok it's just a mechanic it's just an algorithm and a distribution platform so you can present yourself whatever's true to your band, true to your label like it's just but you got to be there you got to be willing to do it and to me like if you're going to do one thing like like we talked earlier like you need to be on every social network if i'm a band I'm focusing on three. I'm doing YouTube, doing TikTok, doing Instagram. I'm focusing on short form vertical content, like let's call it like say TikToks or Instagram reels. And I'm posting the exact same thing on reels, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. And once you like, if you get better at it or you have more time or you have someone in the band or the label that's really interested in this and quite good at it, then maybe you vary off for different things. But that can get you to the right audience just by making one piece of content and putting it on all three social networks. 
we got to attend Riot Fest 2023 as press again. And honestly, we were shocked by who we got. We talked to a bunch of people. But one of the ones that stood out to us the most and made us the most nervous was talking with the used, which is absolutely insane and wild. They're both Brian and I's one of our favorite bands. And it was just such a surreal moment. And they're all very, very nice, too. And I'm not just saying that. I was very worried the entire weekend um, if they weren't nice. But they are fantastic people. So here's a little bit of a clip from that interview. We did want to ask, you guys have been touring off of your latest album, Toxic Positivity. How has the reception been to it? Because a lot of it sounds like a little bit more of you're channeling some of your older sound from your first, like your previous first few albums. Yeah, it's been amazing. The reception's been really good. We get a lot of people coming up and telling us how this kind of record and this kind of honesty really helps them in their life. And I think that's what music's really all about. Yeah, people come dressed up in flower shirts and flower beards flower and they're getting beards. like, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, I saw a flower, flower beard. It was yeah, so cool. it's kind of cool. They're right. taking the album cover in and kind of rolling with it. It's awesome. Yeah, repurposing it like it's 2014 again. <laughs> that Tumblr <laughs> error all over. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, you guys also just did a collab with Demi Lovato, which I love Demi Lovato. I was big into Disney Channel Kid and everything like that, the pop punk Disney Channel type of vibe. How was it working with Demi to re put out this single? Yeah, it was again? cool. She's really nice. I was honored that she asked me to do it, and the song turned out great. Really stoked. Be really cool for the use. Big exposure. And <laughs> yeah. She's got a few followers on Instagram. Couple. Yeah, just a little bit. Two or three. It is just kind of crazy that like, like I I was into the use from the first record on. Was that kid at high school who was like, you got to check out this band, and everybody's like, no, why would we listen to this? And now to see like you know, 20 years later, everybody's like, no, the use. Yeah. People are still like, why the fuck would you listen to that? <laughs> No, it's like it, it is such a like uh, a cultural moment in I mean emo pop punk in that warp tour scene kind of thing of like now it's it's just kind of mainstream and everybody's just like yeah we loved the U's growing up we want to work with them we want to have them on all this stuff so yeah, it must be pretty cool. It's really really cool to be still be a band after 23 years. We just feel so lucky. Every every single day is like a new amazing moment for us. We can't believe we're still up there. All the shows are super fun. We get along better than we ever have. The band's tighter than it's ever been. So yeah, things are all, all amazing. Well, and it's cool because we have always just been playing music, always been in the use. We never, you know. Yeah, we never broke up. Yeah. We never took a fucking break. Yeah. We never went anywhere. <laughs> We've been here the whole fucking time. <laughs> I just like to throw that out there sometimes. Sounds like you said that before. So I've been listening to Best X since they before they were Best X and when they were Candy Hearts. So finally getting to talk with them is really awesome for me personally. And we did a lot of deeper dives, kind of like on the journalism end and a lot with politics as well that you should definitely check out the full episode for as well as, well as all these other episodes we're featuring today. But here we're talking about the shift that the shift that Muriel did in going from pop punk into indie. I remember actually finding you like when I was an undergrad in college radio for Candy Hearts and I was like, oh my God, like this is the stuff that I really like and I'm really into. And then you kind of pivoted and I still really, really liked it. So what kind of caused you to do that pivot? Was it just like, you know, you were just like, I'm, I'm done with this like emo pop punk kind of stuff or were, is there anything that kind of like helped you shift it into getting more into that genre? 
It was a slow shift. It was like a lot of different things. Um, definitely, I felt like I was kind of growing it. Like my favorite music in high school was really more like I was obsessed with Saddle Creek Records. I loved things like Bright Eyes, Rilo Kylie, stuff like that. And I always wanted to make music that was really so heavily influenced in that. Like I wanted to make music that sounded like my favorite records. And, you know, I loved pop punk in middle school. And I feel like when I started Candy Hearts, I was like going for more of an indie vibe. And then one day I'm like, you know what? I want to write all these punk songs because I'm like really vibing on like the thermals and like, um, you know, old Blink-182 or whatever. And then people just liked it. So I like ran with it without even thinking. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm so bad at speaking. Um, <laughs> so I ran with that without thinking. And, you know, after years doing that, I was kind of like, oh, I want to make something kind of different. And at the same time that I started feeling that way, I just started being a bit broken down by like the misogyny in the pop punk industry. Like when I first got into that kind of music, it was really like people who were struggling to fit in, people who felt too sensitive and too artistic and too nerdy and too rejected by like the popular kids in school, by the mainstream, by those things, which is something I really identified with. But the pop punk scene of 2020, 2020 <laughs> was largely um, like the jocks that would stuff people like me into lockers. I mean, no one ever did that. I kind of did that to them. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, figuratively, if I was someone else like me, mm -hmm. You know, those kind of people, those kind of people who like, I guess it makes sense because if you look at the old pop punk records, it's all about hating your girlfriend, but it doesn't seem like it's coming from a place of misogyny to me in most of those cases. It seems like it's coming from a place of like, this relationship didn't work out and I'm really hurt. Whereas when I was touring, it seems so much came from the place of like, we don't value women. They are here to serve us and we don't care what they have to say. And I had so many experiences on tour that were just so from microaggressions to like real aggressions to like dudes and bands, just like grabbing my boob as a joke or grabbing my butt and thinking it's funny and me not being able to say anything because I have to have these men like me and want to be my friend for them to take me on tour, um, which in the end, most people didn't want to retain any sort of connection with me when they went home to their wives because they didn't view me as a peer. And that was something that I was just not willing to live with in like silence anymore. And I wanted to find a space that had more women in it and was more friendly to people like me. I think that's been the biggest thing that I've seen. I started working in the music industry with a lot more like indie rock and indie pop. And over the years, I've obviously hear like an emo and pop punk. And I see like the stark contrast of like diversity with that across the board, especially with women and just non-men in general. And I think also to the point where when you were touring as Candy Hearts, that was what I like to call the bro core years where you had all these more like jock centric bands kind of come out. And I personally, like I never got into them. I have a lot of friends who are still really into it now because these are bands who are obviously still active and touring. But it always set me off like strangely because I'm like, these guys would actively like would want to bully us why are we getting the attention 
It was so weird. Yeah. It was so weird because I started in the very like DIY punk scene of like making my own albums, playing house shows, um, things like, uh, like the scene was like people who would go to like fest in Gainesville. And those people largely don't have a tolerance for that kind of thing. And they're very accepting. But the minute that I started getting success and doing things that were more mainstream, like Warp Tour, like, um, like the Glamour Kills tour, mm-hmm. like those mm-hmm. things that would be sponsored by Zoomies or whatever, like that festival I played that was like at Six Flags theme park. Like when I got yeah. into that world, it was just unbelievably misogynistic <laughs> in a way that I was just like, it was just shocking. I I don't know. Like, cause I, I, I mean, I was just such an emo kid in high school that like was definitely... Well, emo was getting really popular when I was in high school, so I wasn't pushing the lockers. I was more the guy who's just like, no, I'm too cool to push in locker. I listen to the used. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> but, and, th- and then, like, Fall Out Boy took off, and then everybody in my high school was like, oh, my God, you listen to Fall Out Boy? Like, you're so cool. I'm like, I hate Fall Out Boy. I'm too cool Oh, my for God, that. we would have been, like, best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sassy about it at the time because, like, I just, I don't know. I was like, well, I was like it's got to be heavier, and it's got to have, like, that, I don't know that one vibe to it, the, the like screamo and the the post hardcore sort of feeling to it. So, I I found it very strange when I then like would hear a lot of this because I felt like like some of these dudes are like very effeminate. Like you shouldn't be misogynistic. Like that's why we're all here. We are weird and gender's a construct and all this shit is is so like it, it. We're smoothing it out. We're not trying to find all the little gaps between us and like. Yeah, I don't know what that, I don't know why that changed, but I, um, I'm, I'm always very disappointed to hear it because I was like that just, it just sucks because you're like I love it was these like bands. The resurgence. It yeah. was like the the it was like the jocks who like ten years later discovered newfound glory and started yeah. a band. Yeah. Who were like the worst people, <laughs> and enabled by everyone around them. Yeah, it's like I would say. Well, it came from the influence of a newfound glory. Not that I mean, I, I don't, I don't know newfound glory. I'm not putting anything on them, and I'm not <laughs> removing them from any any implications. Allegedly, all these allegedly, bands have started from newfound glory. <laughs> uh, allegedly, but it just feels like, yeah, you're right. There was like a lot of bands that came out after that just sort of like never had to go through the same shit, but could pick up a guitar because it was already made cool by bands like newfound glory or Blink One Eighty Two and. It's like, oh, the guitar is cool now. And it's like, no, fuck you. It's supposed to be for for the nerds and the weirdos. And you're, Stop taking yeah, my cool I, thing. When I was in high school, I didn't even have, I had like one friend who liked alternative music. There was no, I didn't know anybody else who was into that kind of stuff. And last but not least, we're wrapping up the new year with when I had to go out to LA uh, for some really cool stuff. And I talked with Nona Faye from Hopeless Records, who's their marketing director, about basically 30 years of Hopeless Records and what's next and what they're trying to do to diversify the roster list. There's been just so many other bands that have come through recently that I feel is starting to like get to that like edging limit where we're going to break out of this like generic mold that everybody in the scene kind of like has problems with and like we want to expand more and diversify 
Are there any artists or acts recently that you personally are listening to that you really think are kind of like leading the scene in that change? Absolutely. Um, I'm working with one of our artists right now, No Offense, who's from the UK mm -hmm. and is trans and is very involved in the politics, not only in the UK, but in like globally of like what's happening with the LGBTQ community and um, really using this scene as like a great spot to like kind of start it because um, the alternative scene is like a great place where a lot of us have a lot of the same views and want to learn more about that. I don't want to say culture, but like the struggles there and a lot of people that are now coming into like our scene of music are experiencing the same things and I think that he's a great example of someone who's like very much leading in what he's doing. I think the big thing too is is that when punk came out it was originally for the misfits and now we have this resurgence of pop punk in like the 21st century and we have so many more people who are identifying with that than traditional punk for so many other reasons so it is definitely like an avenue for these other artists who have different lifestyles and different struggles that they have gone through to be able to like go out there and say like hey i'm somebody who is trans who's living my life successfully and can do this and you guys can do, do this as well mm -hmm. exactly and i think that uh, our fans are looking to us and to see someone who looks like them, who's experiencing the same things as them. So I think that having more people in the LGBTQ community, more people who are like female, I, I think is fantastic. And I'm so proud to be part of Hopeless Records where I think we just checked our roster that over 50% of our roster currently is, is female. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's amazing for anyone in like this scene of music, much less an independent rocket label. Right, and I know that there's, cause I'm on like music journalism Twitter and there's just so many people who will say like, oh, but look at these indie lineups. They have so many more women on here compared to these pop punk or emo lineups. And it's like, right, but like they are out there. It is just harder to unfortunately get them out there because there's just like a lot of misogyny and other bullshit that's out there. It is, and I think that especially at our label, we're not just trying to make punk rock album with female, punk rock album with so-and-so. We're trying to blend the genres and kind of make each artist their own new genre of music. So Scene Queen, she doesn't really fit in the box. Right. Noah doesn't really fit in the box. Lolo doesn't fit in the box. Destroy Boys. So we're not just saying, who's the future of the scene? Like, what is this going to sound like in the next... 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And it's super innovative to like look in that way because I will say I love Scene Queen. I saw her at a Research Chicago show and I loved it, but I have a lot of people that I know and they're just not super into her. And I'm like, Scene Queen is what Hollywood Undead was and like 100%. The 2010s. Yes. And I love Hollywood uh -huh. Undead, like tried and true, 100 P, but like we have, to, if you like this, then it makes sense that you would like this other form of it, but you're just being critical because it is a woman. But you know what? Some of the biggest acts, it starts out that way, you know? And, oh, yeah. and that's the time where any brand or artist, and especially Sing Queen, says, you know what? I'm going to double down on what I'm doing and really force down everyone's throat, like, what I'm doing so they can, like, start to understand and they can get on board. They're like, okay, I, I get what she's doing. Right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And Happy New Year once again. Thank you so much to everybody who stuck with us and found us or gave us a chance in 2023. We hope that you 
keep on hanging keep on telling all your friends and also vote for us for chicago readers best of 2023 you have a couple more weeks because at the stroke of midnight on january 14th the voting closes and we are the best music podcast in all of chicago of course until next time i'm lizzie and brian is i don't know maybe still recovering from new year's maybe and we'll see you later bye